Hey, fellow aquarium enthusiasts, ever dreamt of creating an underwater utopia right in your living room? Dive into Daku Aquatics, where their aquatic wonders will make your fish tank the talk of the town. Daku Aquatics aren't just breeders, they're underwater matchmakers. Yes, they pair you with the perfect finned friends. Want a school of fish that's more colorful than your Aunt Gertrude's knit sweaters? Daku Aquatics has got you covered. Their shrimp are so lively, you'll think they're staging an underwater ballet in your aquarium. And their plants? They're greener than a leprechaun on St. Patty's Day. <laughs> but wait, there's more. You're not just buying the fish, you're adopting new family members. Each gill-bearing buddy comes with a personality bigger than a whale. Meet Bubbles, the comedic gold ram, or Snowball, the mysterious Neocaridina shrimp with a love for hide-and-seek. Concerned about shipping? Fear not. Daku Aquatics delivers faster than a penguin on a water slide, with temperature controls so precise it would make a polar bear jealous. So swim on over to Daku Aquatics. Whether you're a seasoned aquarist or just dipping your toes in the water, they promise you a whale of a time. Use promo code AquariumGuys at checkout for 10% off your order at DakuAquatics.com, where every splash tells a story. I can't believe we have a good editor now, Jimmy. We're going to start pumping these out. We're going to get back on uh, some sort of schedule. Maybe not weekly, but certainly it's going to be better. I think we should go back to weekly because we suck so much that we probably get one out every two weeks. You know what? What? Fluke you were doing two this week. Fluke. Fluke you. I'm not going to be around. And Yeah, uh, you are. You're always going to be around. Nope. I'm, you can't it, stop that. Jenny Craig didn't, couldn't come in. That's then. true. That's till next month. Now, I got a concert on Friday, so I will not be around. What's the concert? Uh, it's an old band you've never heard of. Guaranteed. April Wine. <laughs> Definitely, I'm sure of that. There you go. All right. In order here, we'll uh, first let you know uh, I've been told that we need to host the podcast better for new listeners. For those who are listening, this podcast is a podcast for the aquarium enthusiasts of the adult matter only. That is right. Uh, we are nothing but cheeky men sitting together around microphones that like to uh, make dick jokes and appreciate our aquariums. So if that's for you, sign up. If it isn't, this is going to be a rough ride. And trust me, it's not going to get better. So uh, I'm your host, Rob Zolson. I'm Jim Colby. And I'm Adam Elnashar. Today, we are pleasured to have Anthony with us from Daku Aquatics. That's dakuaquatics.com, D-A-K-U. And your last name, because I continually butcher people's last names, Armada. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, that's right, dude. You got it. That is the first time Robbie's ever got it freaking right. Jimmy, every last name you screw up. That one had six characters. I know. I deserve a gold star. Normally, Robbie has to sound it out on the computer, which is funnier than heck. Well, Anthony, thank you, buddy, for coming on the podcast. We we can't wait to hear hear from you. Cheers, dude, for sure. Well, before we get into uh, the deep dive that we have uh, today, I would like to go over a, a bit of uh, uh, details. When we had episode one hundred, I was hoping that's going to be a culmination of you know a hundred episodes of us, you know, what this podcast means to us and reminiscing of the, of days past. But, uh, the only thing that people can keep noting is Adam's fantastic 20 minute rants 
on episode 100. He lost his mind. Uh, it was so funny. I got direct messages from all different types of fans uh, that literally they said that they spit, you know, liquids out of their mouth laughing so hard that it was the perfect culmination rant from Adam. So uh, number one, thank you from those people. But uh, there were a handful of people that weren't as, you know, happy with it. And apparently episode 100 is where they began the podcast, which is why we changed the opening this episode. <laughs> so uh, my apologies to you. And uh, one of them decided to leave us a review. They say uh, two stars, which that's far too much. Well, that's uh, one for me and one for you because Adam lost his mind. Right. Uh, once a month is far too often for this show. If you, if you like this show, you can have it every day. Just go to the food court mall, find a table full of high school age boys that are giggling and punching each other in the arm a lot. And that brilliant conversation and baseless opinions will wash over your ears. I love it. So that's, that's our comparison. So uh, from that, I'm like, oh boy, I just clipped that, put it in our discord. And apparently a bunch of our uh, actual fans in discord decided to throw in a bunch of nice reviews. Did you refund his money? I, I did. He he got his he got his free podcast money back. Good deal. He did. He really did. So thank you for the flood of positive feedback from the one negative feedback. We we really do appreciate it. Just to go over some titles, we are now the one fish cast to rule them all, Jimmy. The what? We are the one fish cast to rule them all. Really? Apparently, Yoshi five one two seven said that on Apple reviews. Wow. So that's what your mom goes by now, Yoshi. No. no. Okay. This, these are real people. Oh, okay. These are real people indeed. So. uh Thank you. And any, any notes since we last talked? You know, Adam's rant, my wife and I were in the car and we put on episode 100. I, I personally haven't listened to an episode in months. And I said, you know, you should listen to Adam go off. And we know more than we're driving on the road and Adam called and we were pissing ourselves so hard because we're laughing. And then Adam then on the phone went off a little bit too, telling my wife and I about a particular thing that happened at the big box store. Oh, and then. The same thing just recently happened to me about a week ago. And I called up Adam and I wait, you yelled at a kid. He, he gave you a lecture of what you can't do with a beta. Not quite, but, but close. All right. So I called you. I do tank maintenance for a hospital in a nearby community and it's a 220 gallon tank. It's very deep. And I was looking for a long gravel vac. And I called you and you said you didn't have one. I, I, I called Dan and he said he didn't have one. So found out they sold out at D's Fish Cove all vacuums. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of filthy tanks in a right. one week period. So on the way up to Fargo to pick up my fish, I had I brought an order in of, of angelfish, and I'm driving up to Fargo. I thought I'm going to call our local big box store. And here's exactly how the conversation went. First of all, I called and was put on hold for about six or seven minutes trying to find the aquatics department. And finally, this young bubbly girl answered the phone, and I said, "Hey, are you in aquatics?" She goes, "Yes, I am." I she goes, "What are you looking for?" I said, I need a gravel vac, but I need a big one. She goes, oh, I've got one for a 75-gallon tank. I said, no, I, this is a 220-gallon tank. I need a pretty empty. She goes, oh, no, we don't have that. She goes, but Amazon, let me get you the number on Amazon. And she went on and on about Amazon. She looked it up on her phone, and she told me which one to buy on Amazon and how good it was because she bought one. And she gets all done, and I go, do you know who signs your paycheck? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, doesn't Petco pay you? So why are you giving me all this information from Amazon? She goes, well, Amazon is great. And I called up Adam. Wow. I called up Adam and I go, man, this is a, a good uh, person to have on the phone as I'm talking to the big box store as they're telling me to call and get it from Amazon. Anyway, I finally got one and I got a used one from Derek over at D's Fish. All right. Fun idea. Quick idea. 
we should on the podcast dial in to uh it was that uh, the petco or pet smart co petco we should dial into petco sometime uh see if they have some amazon grapple backs for us <laughs> that guy's got water moisturizer that will make us some friends for sure yes well uh adam thank you for your your rants even though uh Apparently Adam disconnected and isn't here anymore. Yeah, well, he left us again. Know that, know that you're in our hearts and may your Comcast internet come back. I have one uh, quick story. There was a fish swap that we did up here in our neck of the woods by Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And that brought up quite a few people from the Twin Cities area. Correct. So those people saw what fun we were having and decided, hey, let's do it. So uh, shout out to uh, Tong's Fish Room. He put together a wonderful fish swap in the Twin Cities. I think it was actually in St. Paul, but I never know where I'm at when I'm down there. It was at the Frogtown Auditorium. It was a fun. So you say Frogtown Auditorium. Frogtown. We go to this community center to do this fish swap. And I was the first one there. Tong did this on his own by himself and rented out this uh, community center. And he charged something petty, like 20 bucks a table, just so he could cover some of the community center cost. We get this room with all the tables and whatnot. So me and the fellers that went with me set up the place because he didn't get there on time. He's got a lot more kids than I do get the whole place set up. And I was so mesmerized. There's frogs everywhere. Frogs imbued in the floor, frog designs everywhere. Lily pad concepts. It was like, it was meant to be a fish swap place in frog town in frog town. Uh, so we did it. And in the first hour and a half, we had lines going out to the community center because we couldn't fit enough people in. It was that busy. We literally sold out in a little over an hour and a half. We had just literally picked up our table and left. Other people were starting to sell out. It was a wonderful time. Okay, everybody came in a big batch. And I love how people do fish swaps. They all quickly make an assessment across all tables. And then after they've done their assessment, they go to the tables where they want, they have their, their favorite things. So it's, it's basically how fast can you look at all the tables and then quickly snipe out your purchases? That's right. Cause you want to get the good stuff. Yes. So uh, Greed Dragon Playcos that we brought along from my buddy Dean uh, sold out within the first few minutes, all of them, the entire table. So super success. Glad we had it. And if you guys are in the Twin Cities area, certainly just follow along to our Discord or our Facebook page, and we will always post the information on the fish swaps that we know about in our area to come join. But I had a blast. And we had a lot of fans there, actually, that wanted to say hi to you, but you were unable to make it. No, I was unavailable. So has he got another one going on coming up anytime soon? There's going to be, but I mean, it's literally since we're on the podcast here, less than a full week since. Uh, right. So, yeah, the uh, what we find up here in Minnesota is as we go into winter, we have a lot better attendance at these things. And we've had just a absolutely beautiful fall. And last weekend was very warm. And to have such a great attendance over there was just phenomenal. So hats off. Yeah, it's a party. You guys should do a party in your area. If you're shy and don't know how to do it, you know, send us an email to Corium guys podcast at gmail.com. We'll help you out. Maybe we know someone in the area that can help assist you. Trust me, get it done and keep it as cheap as possible for people. If not free, we do ours in Detroit lakes for free. And we, as the club pay, uh, pay the space fees. So just to cover it, to have a great time. Well, normally this is where we would have Adam tell us, uh, you know, another piece of the government stuff that he's pissed in, but. Yeah, where Adam's did Adam gone. Go? Adam fell off the face of the earth. He did. Let's get into our, our topic. Anthony, are you, are you ready to have some fun? Well, that's me. Yeah, let's do it. Well, Anthony, you, we've been trying to get you on the podcast for a while. 
we've known each other now. We are making comments to the podcast probably easily three years now. Yeah. So before we get too far, we want to know more about you, at least to tell the, tell the audience. So how did you get into the hobby? What do you do and how well do you do it? <laughs> I got into the hobby like everybody did, you know, just got a couple tanks, actually one tank when I was a kid, your grandma forced and you, you? Do your life stuff, you know? Yeah. And then like you come back to it. Right. And I came back to it in a big way. I think six years ago, I started it back up. And I think I had 50 tanks in the, in probably like six months, not, not too crazy. And now I'm sitting at about 130 tanks and like uh 1500 gallons outside and stock tanks. Damn. And yeah, I breed a lot of fish. I breed a lot of shrimp. I specialize in dwarf cichlids, mainly rams and neocaridina shrimp. And I'm a huge plant nerd. That's really what drives my hobby is planted tanks and everything else kind of came around that the shrimp cleans the plants the plants look prettier i sell the plants for more money everybody's happy so <laughs> that's me in a nutshell our most demanded episodes are of course basic podcasts so people can get into the hobby but more importantly people want to know number one how to build a fish room and how to uh, start turning that breeding project at home into money and yeah. that's why we're having sure. the podcast brother you give a great perspective. I think that you did it in the right way in the right amount of time. Right now you're sitting in your office space and it's wall to wall tanks the long way. It's beautiful. Thank you. If you're not checking this out, you need to check this guy on Instagram. We'll have a social media in the show notes. So definitely like subscribe. I think it's Instagram. It'd be Facebook. You know what, what the, what the kids do now. I'm not uh, as in touch of uh, social media as I should be. I'm trying, but you are kicking ass on social media. All the kudos, brother. So what was the Thanks. moment where you started this hobby and just clicked that this is what I want to do? Did it just, you know, three tanks, suddenly you had easy success in breeding and now yeah. suddenly that is, I can proliferate, let's make cash. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing was doing the research early, started with a couple of nano desktop aquariums, five gallon, three gallon, 10 gallon, was really interested in CO2 injection and high tech tanks. So that's all I did at first. I was trying to grow rare plants, learn as much as I could about rare plants. And then I wanted to bring the shrimp on. And what really started the business was A, growing too many plants and B, making too many shrimp. And I started off just selling on Reddit, uh, shout out AquaSwap, and it snowballed from there. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, I'm sure you're going to ask all these questions, but the social media aspect is huge because it got my name out there and I was able to show people what I, what I'm doing. Um, and that's the biggest thing is, you know, people want to see what they're going to get a, and they want to, you know, make sure they're not, you know, buying something that they, you know, or they're getting scammed or whatever it might be. So I try and be as transparent as possible. My customer service is big and, and that's it for me, man. I'm an open book. So what I think is different is I got to watch through a lot of this process of how you kicked it off, how you got your fish room going. I was lucky enough to get you on the ground floor uh, so much so that, you know, we said, Hey, you need more advertisement. We'll help sponsor and we'll get, get the name out. You got a great product and you've been a fan of the podcast since near the beginning. So, yeah, so much. Sure. So you reached out, you bought some merch and uh, I don't even remember. It was a hoodie. We all signed it. And then we sent some gag yep. gifts. Is that the one we did? That is the that, one we did. That was yeah. free. Oh my God. Yeah. So I feel like I, I apologize. Can, I can confess some details. When we sent you the, the gift, 
we, we put that dried up play cone we sent to you in that ornate box. <laughs> that just came up. Okay. We were, we were cleaning out the fish room closet, uh, me and my fiance and my mom, and she's going through all this stuff in the closet and she pulls out this little wooden box and she opens it up and she screams. Oh, and, God. and I mean, belts and, and she drops it. She's like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, that's just a dried pleco in a box. And she was so confused and probably yeah. concerned. She already thinks I'm nuts. Right. But what I had to explain it was from the, the podcast dudes that I'm always listening to in the background. And that I, I don't know if that bought me any uh, leniency. No, but it just yeah, got that weirder. That's all. Week. There's a bunch of guys that sit there and have this radio show. And now they send you dead, dead fish specimens in an ornate box. Well, we were literally yeah. we're sitting there, we got this hoodie. Uh, you sent it to my place. We all signed it. I sent it down to Adam. He signed it. We got it sent to you. But we wanted to add more in the package. This package is going to be in there. So we sent you, I think, an aquarium dildo. As a as a wonderful joke, we sent you that I found I had that perfectly preserved uh, blonde bristle nose Playco that I put in the box. Horrible story. After all these years, I can finally confess that box is what they put from a Catholic hospital when you have a uh, dead fetus that dies and you want to bury it. Get out of here. That is a Damn, fetus oh urn. Why do you have one of those? Why do I have one of those? Because yeah. you're a lucky man. Because. <laughs> It's, it's, it's not as a fun story. Me and my wife, uh, you know, tried to have a kid that didn't happen. My wife went in for the whole procedure and she came out so angry. She's like, what in the world? Uh, number one, you know, on the paperwork, they're putting abortion, you know, she lost the baby before she ever made that decision. And then they're giving her all of these, uh, I I'm not kidding you. They gave her paperwork, the box, they gave her a coupon to go to see a funeral home. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Cause it's a Catholic hospital and that's what they're required to do by their policy. So she kept it and she kept like her, you know, if she take a ring off to go for a shower, she put it in there and whatnot. And I'm looking around the house for this perfect thing. She hates the f***ing box. And she is the one that came up with that idea. So uh, we can blame my wife. She uh, offered the box as a uh, part of the joke to hold the Playco. And because she wanted the hell out of her house is what it was. Yeah. She said, uh, this is a better funeral than what it was intended for. So that's awful. It so is. Thanks for that. It is. I'm, I, I'm, I couldn't tell you up till now. So <laughs> <laughs> anyways, that got really dark. It Good got really dark from that. It got really, really dark. dark. I, uh, oh. I'll tell you a quick story. I had, I, I moved my, my fish room out of my basement into a place that I found out later on was an old crematorium and down in the basement, there was actually little caskets. And I thought they were like, you know, caskets for being on display. No, they're children's caskets. Like little demo ones. Yeah. And anyway, so I, I, I rented this place and it was a big, massive place. Very nice. And I cannot tell you how many times we got freaked out because the place was so freaking haunted that I actually moved because it was so haunted. I couldn't stand it. I had, I had an old lady that would keep pulling back the, the, I thought it was somebody that there's two apartments upstairs and I had the whole main floor and it used to be a crematorium back in the day. And I kept having this little lady pull back the curtain and it was had glass doors and I found out that it wasn't somebody that lived upstairs. It was just somebody that was yeah, the box is there. not haunted. You know, that, that it's just the Playco haunting. Yeah. It. So, I was so uh, freaked out. I moved 600 aquariums out of there. Thank you. Thank you for adding more, more creepy stories to this. Oh God. Moving on. So we thought you do it from the beginning. You've been a fan of the podcast and friends of ours for a while. And you decided that, Hey, I'm building this great fish room and you walked us through the process. So for the uh, listeners, walk them through the process. One, I, I I'm good at this breeding project. I'm good at plants. I want to proliferate. Yeah. Then you 
did all kinds yeah. of research and uh, walk us through you building the, your rooms, your fish rooms. Okay. I, uh, sure. So the, I have two fish rooms now. They're both automated as far as water change, water changes go. What I did was just go on YouTube, look at all the DIY videos and kind of every fish room is different, right? Every space you're going to build a fish room in is different. So really you have to learn like the plumbing aspect, the, you know, the linear piston air pumps to filter the whole room. And then once you have the basis down, you know, you have to start learning some skills like drilling fish tanks because you need to install bulkheads and overflows. If you're going to automatically change water, you got to do maybe not as crazy as I do, but I put a three inch hole through the cinder blocks and the stucco in my house and installed a floor drain. Cause we don't have those in South Florida. There's no basements or anything. So you know, basically I learned everything online and I just did my best. And the first room came out great, but there were a couple of things that I wanted to change. Like my water in system, I attached it with uh, clips, um, with RO tubing to the, to the rims of the tanks. And over time, those kind of get clogged up and they get cruddy and you can't close the lids all the way. So when I built the second fish room, I really dialed in and that's what you see behind me in my office. I know the podcast listeners can't see it, but I took them out of the tanks and everything's a lot more clean and dialed in. And, and yeah, if you're, if you're going to build a fish room, there's a wealth of knowledge on YouTube and you need to go on there. You need to look at your space, see what your budget is. You can do metal racks. You can do cinder blocks, you know, with two by fours. There's a ton of guides for these, for everything you can do in a fish room and just figure out what you want to do and go for it. So a little bit more on the auto top off. We've had a few questions on this before. You're sure. let's specifically go off of your auto top off because there's a lot of ways to, you know, skin a cat, so okay. to speak. Uh, yours use sure. a single drum that you prep the water in and then you simply flip a switch. That's pump for it. the shrimp. Yeah. So in the shrimp room, I have a shrimp room and I have a fish room where I breed all, all my fish and the shrimp pull from 32 gallon RO reservoirs, which are just brute trash cans. So I have a pump on the wall. It's not a submersible pump. I forgot what you call it when it's, it's immersed pump. I, I don't know, whatever. And Ab- it, I have above water pump. tube. Yeah. Yeah. So I have an RO tube going into the reservoirs and I flip the pump on and it automatically fills the tanks. And because all my tanks are drilled with overflows and bulkheads, as the water, you know, raises up, it drains out of uh, the bulkheads in the back so that they never overflow. Right. So that's for the shrimp room or the fish room in here. I ran hot and cold water to this room from my garage, from the water heater, basically. And we ran the cold and hot water through the ceiling here and then popped a hole through the ceiling. And then I put a shower valve on the wall, just the same one you would have in a shower. And um, from there, I built a manifold on the top part where the shower is. And that's just basically an apparatus of of PVC tubing and ball valves. So I can have different zones. So if you see behind me, there's 12 tanks, six, six tanks per row. And each zone does 12 tanks, right? So I flip the ball valve and 12 tanks get a water change. And, you know, you figure out how much water flows. I know that in about an hour, I get a 20, 20% water change. 
and I just do, you know, depending on the stocking and the different zones, I'll do anywhere, anywhere from an hour a week to an hour or two hours a day on some of my, you know, fry tanks and grow out tanks. Now, how do you choose? Um, because you can't just do, I mean, you can do all the water changes at once, but sometimes you want more control. So then if you want a manual water change, you just manually yeah, change the water. You don't use the automated system for a one specific yeah, tank. You can, sure. I do that all the time, especially when I'm deep cleaning a tank. You know, these fry tanks, you need to reset them after you move the fish into a bigger tank or you need, you know, you sell out of that tank. You want to give it a good clean before you put the new batch in to grow out. And that's just as simply as pulling it out with a regular siphon, giving it a, the tank a good cleaning. And then on that same shower valve, the top part is the manifold for the auto water change. The bottom part, which would go to a tub, is actually a quick fill hose. So I can just turn the like I'm turning a tub on and that'll turn my quick fill hose up. And then I just have one of those, you know, hang on tank PVC setups with another ball valve. And I can go around and quick fill tanks individually that way. Hell yeah. So how do you regulate the ball valves? Do you just leave them set and then know that they're going to get about the same water? You don't need to be completely exact or do you have to keep dicking with the ball valves? No, you, so you're never going to be completely exact, but you can get, when you set the system up and I recommend every six months, double checking that the flow is the same because each tank has a ball valve and the pressure will be different in the line, right? As it goes down the line to the individual tanks further away from that shower valve, you can turn the ones closer to the shower valve down a little bit. So it'll restrict that water flow and more will get to the, to the later ball valves in line. So adjust that when you set it up. And then, you know, every six months I take a look and everybody's still filling at roughly the same rate in the old fish room or the shrimp room. I touched on this. A mistake I made was putting those ball valves basically in the water. So when the water was filling up, it would start getting touched by water and that causes a lot of issues because eventually you get algae growing on it. You have some, you know, some flow issues because it's physically obstructed with gunk and algae and buildup. So this new room, and I wish I could show you guys on the podcast here, but I put the water in system on the wall. And the only thing going to the tank is a piece of RO tubing and it's not touching the water. It's just sitting on the rim. So, so far so good. And it's been working beautifully since I did this second fish room. Now I see a mix of wood and steel stands, which is you prefer. I like them both. I love steel stands better. A, they will stand up forever. They're all like powder coated. You're never going to get rust. You can upgrade the shelving with like a piece of PVC and paint it with like a latex paint. The wood stand, the only reason I built this wood stand, and this is just the, the regular lag bolt on two by four wood stand is because this room, I wanted my desk in here. You know, this is like my fulfillment station for the business. And if I put another deep rack in, or even a, a smaller metal stand, I wouldn't have been able to maximize this space with another 12 tanks here. So that's the only reason I built this one. And then I painted it black to match. But if I had all the space in the world and I had my choice, I'd always go steel, you know, metal steel racks. They come painted. There's the assembly is a fraction of the time, a little bit more money. But if you're, if you're crazy enough to set up a 48 tank rack in your fish room, 
I think you can you can spend the extra dollars to get to do it right the first time. The amount of money being spent on metal racks for me is I don't know about about you, but six months from now, I'm going, this isn't working. I'm going to put in another row of tanks or I'm going to put in different size tanks. And just the availability of, of to be able to pop those shelves off and move stuff and not have to interrupt the top tanks or the bottom tanks. I can I completely change mine all the time. And then every once in a while, if I find well, I'm sure like you, where you have a little bit of space, and you're going, I can put 355 gallon tanks in there. You can go usually find something that has a 17 inch depth for 55 and, and stick up 355s in there. That's what I've been personally doing with with my uh, discus and my angelfish. Every time you for sure, yeah. So I really, I really like the metal racks. I've had the wooden racks before. And, um, what I find out that, that the wooden racks sometimes have to be tightened up. I've, I've ever had that where they've loosened up a little bit and all of a sudden you kind of look, why is everything kind of lean a little bit? I was using three and a half inch leg bolts and stuff and, you know, didn't get them yeah. tight enough or I've moved it enough times where it's loosened up on its own. Whereas those, uh, the, like the metal racks behind you continuously don't move. I mean, you can drag them around. No. Yeah. We actually, yeah, for sure. The, the, at, at our house, we, we bought those, we went to like our local, uh, uh, Harbor freight and they have those huge mo- furniture moving pads about, uh, six inches square. And we actually can drain all the tanks down to about halfway and slide the entire rack without having to take the tanks out. And that's what I really like about it. So I actually have all mine on sliding racks because I have carpet in my fish room and I just find it so much easier to move stuff around. If something happens or you have to get behind there for some reason. Don't smell the carpet. That's a rule. No. <laughs> so in doing the, uh, any type of fish room, everybody has lessons they learn and, so, and stuff they would do. That's why you have the first version. The second version, you did some changes. What's the top three things that uh, you learned, uh, learned a lesson with that's just going to change how you do this fish keeping going forward? Top three lessons. I would say saving money on lid handles, right? I make my own lids. That That's a huge cost saving How do you strategy. make your lids? And so there's actually a great tutorial on YouTube from Steve Poland. He's one of the OG fish tube content creators. And um, so you can get the glass cut or cut it yourself. I like glass personally over plastics because you're always, especially running air driven sponge filters, you're always going to get algae on the glass and you can use a razor blade and it cleans it up in two seconds. So glass last you know, t- stands the test of time. So I would look up if you want a tutorial on how to make my lid specifically, I used the foundation from Steve Poland's DIY lid. So check that out. But the tip for these lids is for some reason, when COVID hit, well, not for some reason, we all know the, the logistical issues that happened during COVID, but the stick on handles got really expensive on eBay. You used to be able to get a pack of 12 for like 15 bucks. They were about a dollar a piece. No problem. You buy those. But when I looked, when I was building this second room, the lid handles were crazy expensive. So what I ended up buying were one inch glass marbles and siliconing them to the glass. Hell yeah. And, and dude, and I love the look of it too. It's so clean. You know what I mean? So that's, that's my first tip for sure. Jimmy light bulb um, went off just now. For- yeah. He just thought to himself, I finally have a purpose for those uranium made marbles. That's right. From we, my, my childhood. He and I have had this conversation before. The other thing I like about, yeah, I like about that too, is if, if you ever had glass and, and if you not had a good handle on it and you lay the glass back on the glass and it's wet, 
becomes a suction between it sticks. them. It sticks. Yeah. And with that marble, yeah. it actually keeps it up or a little, a, a little uh, Aquian handle will keep it off the, uh, off the glass. Yeah. With these specific lids, that's not even an issue because the frame for the glass portion actually sits in a plastic piece. It's called outside corner molding. You can buy it at Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. And I just spray paint it with Krylon Fusion Black. And the first piece, it's two two piece glass, right? Because I want them to slide so I can easily get in them. The stationary piece that sits more towards the back sits inside of that outside corner molding. And then the top part sits on top. So the glass never physically touches, which is amazing. You're only sliding glass on your Krylon Fusion plastic. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great system. I love that. And after I talked to you last summer, I did that with several of my tanks and I, I bought everything they had out at my local Menards to do all that. <laughs> and I've still got about half of my tanks to do in that, but the tanks are so much easier to, to keep closed because they so easily just slide back and forth. You don't have to, and you also can save a lot of room if you don't need, you know, if you're really short on, on room and you want to stack your tanks in there tight, you don't have to worry about it leaving five inches so your lid will flip up it will slide back and forth absolutely and uh you can get another row of tanks in there and for somebody like you and me and robbie one more row of tanks could be 10 12 15 more tanks on a row and that's just more addiction you know that's that's more to rub your nipples on the morning (laughs) no i don't do that (laughs) anyways number two he's confused too (laughs) oh yeah sorry so all right number two it's definitely got to be getting your water change system set up If you're going to scale a fish room, the last thing you want to do is have 45 tanks and have to manually change water. And I know a lot of people dedicate their lives to that and you get to be in your tanks more. And and there is something, you know, to say about being more hands on every day or when you're doing that stuff. But my solution to that is not make it automated with a solenoid valve. I manually come in, turn the ball valves on for each zone, and then I make sure I give all those tanks a look every day or, you know, once once every two days. So automate your water changes is probably the biggest step, like the biggest tip that I would say, because it's paramount when you're talking about scaling your fish room. Yeah. You're only one guy. You don't actually have to hire people to do this, you know? Right. And that kind of, that goes into the profitability thing with actually breeding for profit, right? Like you can only be successful if you keep your costs down. That's why I'm doing this in my house. That's why I'm a one man operation. The more things I can automate, I will. And that's just scalability is profitability in that sense. You had a question, Dalton? No, I was just going to say, I think even not talking about scalability, water changes suck. If you've got two tanks, water changes suck. And so, you know, on all of my tanks, I've already got a pump in the water. So I just run a splitter with a ball valve off of it. So when I want to do a water change, I don't have an automated system, but I can just split it to the discharge hose and then run it down the drain with the pump that's already running in the tank. And it makes it a heck of a lot easier. You know, I've only got eight or nine tanks, but it's a lifesaver. Now I'm going to go on rim limit and say uh, to people that are wanting to put this system out, ah, I don't need to do an overflow. I don't need to set up an, uh, you know, over the edge overflow, drill a tank. I don't need to do any of it. All I can do is just top off the water. I'll, I'll watch it. I guarantee you 
setting the system up without an overflow is the best way to make a water claim on your homeowner's insurance. Uh, I promise <laughs> oh, you, sure. there will be no more unique method of doing it. You know, one other method. And, I- and there's, sorry, Jim, no, I'm just going to say you, you can actually, you can actually make the siphons and the overflows without drilling the tanks. I think Gary Sage from Select Aquatics in, in Colorado, I think his system has no drilling involved. It's pretty ugly. Like aesthetically, you're not going to get the same look with everything behind the tanks, but it is possible if you're just looking to scale up without learning how to drill tanks and break 15 tanks while you're learning and stuff like that. So there are ways to do it. We make them here. We've done a few fish rooms for the club, people in the club. I know Dean is one of the most recent persons I've done it with. He's actually building a fish cistern. For his basement, he's got an old school Catholic cistern and he's flooded the bottom, kind of like you saw everybody saw on the social media. They had that eel basement where this guy was having full size eels in a massive cistern in oh, his I basement. Love that. He's got a small cistern. I love that. He flooded the basement, uh, the, the base part of the cistern, about a foot and a half deep. And then he's put pallet racks up with racks above the water. So his whole thing is he pumps the water from the lower pond, quote unquote, into the tanks above as a continual flow system and they have overflows going straight back to the bottom of the cistern. So we made overflows using PVC. Uh, we use the old, old school Joey King of DIY YouTube video before he became a social media guy and was just doing the DIY stuff. And it works really well. We haven't had a single siphon uh, be lost. And, you know, there's a lot to be said that Krylon solves a lot of problems, like you were saying before about those sliders. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a friend over in North Dakota, and he has a piece of PVC coming down. And once you have that initial vacuum going, he has like a regular garden hose valve on it. And he goes up there and he, and he turns, it, turns it on and turns it off. And it, it automatically starts draining and he has automatic systems start filling it. But he didn't want to drill anything because he, yeah. he's in a really, really nice house and he didn't want to drill anything. So he, he thought that would be more safe. So there's a, a hundred ways to do it. It's just whatever yeah, you feel sure. comfortable doing it. I mean, with us here in Minnesota, everybody's got their, their fish down in their basement. But I mean, but if you've got stuff on a main floor and you flood your main floor and it goes down, you know. Or heaven forbid your, your neighbors below you. Right. And, and that could be a whole bunch of trouble. Now, I right, no, wait, wait, number three, he's got to get through them. We got one and two. I got a question. Okay. Tell me about number three. So, all right. So, all right. So number three, when you're buying lights, make sure they come with integrated dimmers and timers. All right. Because if you're going to have all these lights in a fish room, the last thing you want to do is have to pair them either with the Wi-Fi timers, the Wi-Fi plugs, or have to turn them on manually every day. So having like beams work, for instance, has all these lights in this room or beams work. I love them. They're cheap on eBay relative to other lights. Anyway, they come with dimmers and timers. I can adjust them as needed. That's my lighting hack, I would say. And then just zip tie them to the bottom of the shelf above. And that's all I did. They're super easy to install on these racks. I was going to say, because I do the same thing where I zip tie them to the, to the rack. I like them. The reason I like the zip ties is because if you take and mount them to a board and, and for some reason your top tank starts to overflow, then it will follow the board and take out your lights. Yeah, fry out a light. And so I like just having the zip ties because it's less, less ways for water to get to your light or if you have a leak or a broken tank. That and taking a you know, pair of scissors, cutting it off and removing them quick beats having to drill or bolt anything to what you're trying to do. 
And it's quick and easy for, yeah. for replacement when they crap out on you. So you built this fantastic fish room. You got a second one done. Your mother-in-law thinks you're crazy. She found your, your dried up fish. You can't live it down, but you're, you're disproving her theory because now you're starting to uh, have your supply ready and you're about to make money. So you got your fish room done. What was the next steps in your process? Did you start a website? Did you do more? I feel like you did more homework. You're very thorough. Yeah. So before you do anything, you have to do the research. And I actually made my website early on because you can only sell so much locally and on message boards and on the internet, you know, as long as you figure out shipping, which again is a whole nother process, you need to really study and, and figure out the best way for you to accomplish that. And we're at whatever climate you're in, you know, you really just, you, you got to do the research. So I made my, I made my website early on. I started adding my shrimp and my plants. And what was the other part of the question, Rob? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just going to try to walk through the bouncing ball. You made the fish room. What was next? So you had to figure out shipping was the next tackle. How, how did you figure out shipping? How do you uh, ship? You learn through, so you learn through trial and error, depending on what I'm shipping. It really depends on the, on the type of shipping I'm doing. Fish, I ship through UPS mostly. They're the most reliable. I individually bag all my fish, unless it's rice fish. I'm really hot on rice fish right now. I'm breeding millions of them outside. Those you can put more to, more to a bag because they're smaller fish. But making sure you're shipping with plenty of air, going through a reliable carrier, heat packs, insulation, learning when to use heat packs because I'm in South Florida, so it's hot year round for the most part. I don't want to throw in two heat packs and drop it off in the morning and then it's cooking on the tarmac at 4 p.m. You know, or 5 p.m. when they get picked up at the drop-off location. So you really got to learn the intricacies of your area and where you're going to ship. But that was a big hurdle. You know, early on, you you really do lose things. You lose plants, you use you lose fish. But after a while, that percentage goes down when you kind of pick up the, the skill better. And now I'm happy to report that 99.5% of my shipments have zero DOAs. So, you know, it's just learning how to ship is huge. So how did so you that was test a big it? Step. You got to get your toe wet. You know, how did you jump in? Did you find a few friends in like, hey, Minnesota and give them a. Yeah, trading. Yeah, sure. Trading fish. You know, I'm big into genetics with the Rams. I'd ship fish to I shipped fish to Jim not too long ago. You know, that's a little bit later in my process. But, you know, yeah, shipping fish around the country. You just got to jump in and do it. Obviously, learn as much as you can. There's tutorials for everything online. We live in the information age. You know what I mean? I'll say it again, Siri. We live in the information age. There's a tutorial for everything. You know what I mean? So go online and learn because if you're going to ship live animals, you better you better have your shit together. Because you don't want to be killing things and you don't want customers pissed off at you. I've had the same DOA policy since day one. And if something arrives dead that I sell you, I reship it for free and I ship it in the same way that you put the shipping that you purchase. And I get it there to you alive. And that, that's why it's so important to learn how to ship. Because you don't want the customer experience after coming home from work, they get their box or excited. You know, this is a hobby for most people. And they sit down with their fish and, and boom, why, this thing's floating. It's fish soup. You know, why is it cooked in a bag? Right. So learn how to ship. That was a huge thing that I did. And then, yeah, honestly, to, to further that, getting your name out there is the hardest thing in the world. And 
unless you're extremely passionate about what you're doing, you might as well stop now because you, for me, and I have 75,000 followers across all of my social platforms at this point. And before I got anywhere, it was two or two and a half years of grinding social media, talking to myself, showing my small and but growing follower base, everything that I'm working on, the fish that I'm breeding, the genetic lines that I'm trying to create myself, you know, interesting ways to make my plants look nice online. You know, you're in an echo chamber for the first year and then you slowly start to pick up. And I think it took me almost two and a half years to get to 10,000 followers. You know, now I'm five, five years in, I'm at 75,000, you know, so that that's, that's really the next step was getting people to look at what I'm doing. Right. So let's, let's pick on the same question. Order. Top three things that you did to make yourself known on social media. Well, Number one, sponsor yourself with the Aquarium Guys podcast. You can reach us out with your business questions to Aquarium, wow. <laughs> Aquarium Guys podcast. That, that, wasn't even, uh, that wasn't even smooth. That's no, no, okay, just, just kidding. No, for real though. Start, start with quality and make sure that you're passionate about it, right? Because if you don't love what you're doing and you're not producing something that people want to look at, what's the point? Right. So I'm super passionate about this. As you can see, I have 120 fish tanks inside of my home. I have ponds lining my fence outside. This is a passion project that I was able to turn into a business. Right. So, yeah. And then, the okay, so that's that's the first thing. I mean, second, second and third thing, they're all wrapped up into each other. Honestly, I can't really say one, two, three, here's the magic sauce because it kind of, it kind of progressively snowballs on each other. I was looking more like a specific post. Like, you know, I had this one video where something, something, something happened. That's what I was looking for. Like, you know, what was your magic moment or is it just a slow progression of consistency? There, there's no magic moment. I've had a couple videos go viral, you know, 2 million views and stuff. And sure, that's good for your immediate follower count increase, but good, like being passionate is good. People are going to see that, right? Like they know that you care that you show people what you're doing. You're excited about it. That that's step one. Step two is when they, when they start buying from you, Make sure your customer service is top notch. Make sure you're there. Make sure you take care of any issues. That goes back to my day one shipping policy. In the beginning, I was making 40, 50 bucks a week. And if something died, that's 10 extra dollars in shipping plus the product that I had to reship. Like you, you can bury yourself early, but you got it. You, you have to have that customer service, right? That's huge. And then I guess my third tip is stick with it. Because if you put enough time and energy into anything that you're passionate or you care about, you know, you're going to gain some modicum of success. And that's that's where I'm at now. I feel like only five years in, I'm starting to really reap the benefits of what of the work I put in up to this point. You know, one thing I think that that you're you're not saying for yourself, you and I have had this conversation. You've said it to me personally, but it hasn't come up yet that you do something and you do it very well, but you don't try to do a hundred varieties. You're doing three, four varieties of Rams. You're doing three, four varieties of shrimp and you do a really goddamn good job with it. I remember when you got off the phone with him, actually, you came over and you had like this Anthony guy, where'd you find him? I'm like, he's been our fan for a while. Like yeah. this guy's sharp. 
He's taking, what was it, you said, the Gordon Ramsay aspect of cutting down the menu and doing what he does and do it right. Right. And I tell you what, the, the only mistake that I made when I ordered from this dude is I didn't order enough damn black rams because everybody wants the black rams. And they are absolutely black, more black. This is rams. what we get for living in the state with the most mung in it. You know? Oh, man. That is funny because it's, no, fact, it's absolutely 100% correct because every time we have a fish show and the Hmong population come out and they love the black angel fish. They love the black rams. Yeah. They love the the, the dark shrimp. Anything that they can call a black orchid is sold out. Black bettas. Oh, God. Yeah. And, and, but, Jim, you, you, th- thank you for bringing that up, first of all, because that is a pillar of, of why I'm, I've be- I'm becoming successful. Really dialing into a couple of things and doing them good better than everybody else or or at least comparable to the best is so important especially when you're limited on real estate you can't breed fish without water you need tanks you can't breed shrimp without shrimp tanks you know like what's the point of having everything if they all suck you know as you know for a business standpoint collectoritis is is real i have plenty of tanks kicking around here that make me no money but i love them Right. So I have that, too. But hyper focused on what you want to provide to the hobby. And for me, that was from the beginning, dwarf cichlids, which culminated in me making awesome black rams and other color rams. You know, my GBRs are awesome. My golds have super orange heads on the males. Right. My shrimp, I make sure they're super high grade. I'm always culling and easy plants. The plants are are huge. They're actually I probably am doing more plant sales than shrimp sales at this point. In the beginning, that was reversed. You know, now I'm having trouble keeping up with with breeding enough shrimp because I I home bred I home breed everything here. I do supplement with some plants that I bring in for resale, but the majority of everything I do is done here in my home facility. You know, so but yeah, that thank you for bringing that up because that's that is so important is to pick something and get better than everybody at it. That's how you're going to get people to pay attention. I see two different people that are in what I'd like to call your genre of the breed at home business that do two different ways of success. One, they like you keep the menu small and they do it right. And they do it top tier. You get a name in the game that, Hey, when you want sweet Rams, guess what? I know Anthony. Anthony's had quality. He's had quality for years. He's my de facto guy. I'm going to get shit from. Then you have the, uh, well, what's what's the, the word I'm looking for? Not out of pocket guy, but you have the the mixed bag guy where people I we're actually going to be having another guy on the podcast. We're going to be doing another interview with. And this particular gentleman brings in a random assortment of rarities. He goes in, he talks to different breeders and he he's known for having the oddballs. fish of the week. It's only oddballs. That's the only really two successes I've seen. If you're going to, like you said, half-ass something, try to keep a long list of something uh, all the time that you're trying to be known for. And you're, you know, guess what? The guppies aren't so good, but my Rams are fantastic. It doesn't help you. And it's distracting from what you could be doing better. Well, the the thing is too, is that's right. Is you can find a lot of really good angelfish breeders. You can find a lot of good guppy breeders, but I tell you what, there's very, very few people who are doing good rams and i've bought enough rams to flush down toilets i've imported them i bought them from florida from different farms and stuff and had no luck in my water that's how we had the conversation you right. were so sick of it and you're bitching to me i'm like hey, robbie where the f- can we find some rams i'm like right. haven't you talked to anthony we yeah. sent him a hoodie 
Yep. And then I got some, uh, got some Rams from him. And like I said, I wish I'd ordered more, more black Rams and I probably will next time, but just, they live and live and live and live and the stuff I was importing or bringing in from, uh, different companies, they would be good for three, four, five days, start deteriorating and day eight, day nine, they start tipping over and no rhyme, no reason. Yeah. And I didn't have to do anything with your fish other than freaking feed them. And uh, just add oh, water yeah. and, I, I, <laughs> and keep them warm. I, I, I get that a lot. I get that a lot from people that are hesitant that have gone into fish stores and bought wholesale rams that have just been from the day they were hatched to the day that they landed in that fish store have been basically abused. And they get to this point where they're on their last legs when you buy them, but they're still colorful enough. They look fine in the store tanks. You bring them home. You don't set them up perfectly. They're gone. And then they get the reputation that they're a hard fish to keep. When in reality, they're the easiest fish in my fish room that I've kept. I never have problem with rams ever. And it's because I started with quality. I breed quality and I keep and before you get them from me, they are the healthiest they can possibly be. And they're going from my water to your water. That's it. Now, where did you get your breeding stock? Did you find somebody local that was doing it? I, I can't believe that you, you called somebody over the Philippines and said, hey, send me your best stuff. No, I, I reached out to a couple of old time breeders that I found on message boards and I took in as many rams as I could, you know, that I could bring in. And I selected out all the ones that I received. I grew them up, right? You buy batches of babies, right? They're juveniles. And I grew them all up and I said, this fish, this male is beautiful. This female over here is beautiful. And I put them together and that was my first, my first spawn. And that started my line, you know, my, my line for my black rams anyway, is I breed for maximum black on the fish and maximum blue on the sides and on the fins. So, and that's kind of my calling card. Like you can see it all over my social media. I'm always posting my genetic makeup and my lines and yeah. I just started with nice looking fish and continued to make them nicer or at least what I wanted, right? Nicer is subjective. It's, it's what I wanted to breed and what I thought people would be interested in. So what's your hardest lessons that you can share with the group here of doing the business and getting into it that, you know, you just learn from the uh, school of hard knocks exclusively, man. I think I, I think I've really limited my hard lessons by the, copious amounts of research that I do. I, I don't mean to say that like I've never had a hardship in this hobby or business. I would say the shipping hurdle, especially learning to ship in the winter from a warm state, huge and almost impossible. I actually limit my temperatures. Like if you're not doing overnight shipping with me and it's two day shipping, like because of all the trials and tribulations that I had learning how to ship. I won't even ship it if it's under 40 degrees. You know what I mean? So there's just no point. There's no amount of heat packs that's going to keep a ram above freezing, you know, and that's for rams. Obviously other things can go a lot colder, but the school of hard knocks was learning how to ship year round. You don't want to go into a business and say, I'm going to make all my money in the summer. First of all, all you crazy mother effers and the winter states are locked in all winter long. And all you want to do is play with your fish tanks. That's I, have so many, I have so many winter, northern winter fish orders. These people just come out of the woodwork. It's crazy. So you, you can't just be like, oh, it's too hard. I'm done. So 
Hard Knock number one, learn how to ship to the frozen tundra. And then I guess Hard Knock number two is, yeah, let me think. Uh, Take your time, brother. I don't, I, I don't, you know, okay, you know what? I, this is this is a big one. And this is, uh, we're, we're really breeding fish focused here, but I do so much. But I'll stick with this because it's the hardest thing. The hardest thing here for me and was learning how to raise ram fry and actually getting a decent amount of them to sellable size. The first month of a ram's life, if you look at them wrong, they will die in their fry tray. And, and there's nothing you can do besides really dial in your process. So becoming profitable and learning how to breed fish, learning how to feed babies is so cre- incredibly important. I took a lot of L's as because I, I had a lot of success right off the bat. I don't know if it was because I was super focused on research and I was studying exactly how much brine shrimp to put in the tray with that amount of fish specifically. But there came a time where I was it. I could do anything. And I slowly stopped focusing on the baby fish. And I had a lot of die off in that period a couple of years ago. And I, you, you really have to stay focused on that. So yeah, that, that's a huge thing that just came to my mind right there. Now there's a lot of people listening right now and they're, they're, they're thinking in their head, I'm, I'm going to make a million bucks at this and stuff. How many babies would you say you average in a clutch and how often are they breeding for you? Cause there's a lot of people that are listening that, that aren't familiar with, with how you breed rams. Just can you give us like about, well, a, how about this 30 second tutorial of, of how you breeding them and, and how many you're cranking out? We'll also get, uh, we'll also pause this and do another uh, episode on, uh, German Rams with this fine gentleman. I think he has a lot, lot more yeah, than we can put fine. in one podcast to, to share. Sure. All right. But okay. 30, 30 second deep dive. So they breed on something in your aquarium. So I use little two inch terracotta saucers. They're called, you can buy them in bulk on Amazon or go to a hobby store. They're going to lay their eggs on that. You're going to pull the eggs or you're going to see if the parents will raise them. That takes a lot of time, right? So I always pull the eggs. I'm looking for maximum to adulthood for sale. I pull the eggs. I raise them artificially. You have to be hatching brine shrimp every day. There's no way around that. I don't like worms and all that stuff. And to answer your question, how many do I get out of a batch? If the fish is... The first time it can breed, let's say six months to eight months, when it starts giving me clutches, I'll probably get 150 eggs from that fish. I've had some females at in their prime, roughly 18 months to two years, that will drop 500 eggs on that little terracotta saucer. And it will not only fill the entire top of the saucer, but she will line the rim with eggs too. And out of that, let's say that mega batch 500, there's videos on my, of my social media. I've been as successful of raising 90% of those to sellable size. So four, let's say 450. And then there's some big L's where I'll have 400 fish in a fry tray and it overloaded the fry tray and I'll lose them all, or I'll only end up with a hundred or 50, you know? So it's really all over the place. So there you go. That's the, that's the non Ram. Well, we'll get, we'll get deep short, into it on another clip. one. We promise you. So if you're listening in, we're going to get another one with Anthony and we'll, we'll, we'll there's people right sure. now with calculators, they're, yeah, they're, slide rules they are figuring out. I'm going to, they're million million counting. Dollars. They're trying to figure it out. Uh, we do have some questions from the uh, listeners. Uh, listeners want sure. to know how you're doing your tanks. Most of the time when people see that they're doing breeding and grow outs, they don't see 10 gallon tanks. They don't see an array of small tanks. 
So explain to them, not necessarily with rams, but all of your uh, uh, species selections, just go, go around your room. How do you do the process? So if I'm sitting at home and I want to pick N species, I got the breeding tank and I have the grow out tanks. What, what does this all look like? Don't do 10 gallon tanks if you're starting out. You need to really know what's going to happen in a 10 gallon tank when you put 200 fish in there, right? But if you do go my route, I went with with the maximum amount of tanks that I can have all on a separate system. So that limits my exposure to any potential diseases. That means I can bring new stock in and put them in a tank in the fish room. And there's no way to get a disease to my grow outs that could affect my, my sales. So here, I know what I'm doing. I can do it in tens. I know how much water that I need to run through my 200 fish fry tanks that I feed three times a day to make sure I don't stunt their growth right? Because water and fresh water plays a big part on the growth of a fish. I think that's something that we can dive in a little bit about as when we do the, the Ram podcast, but yeah. So, so, so let's pick on a couple different ones. 10 gallon- let's pick on shrimp. So shrimp, you have a, bre- uh, what a colony tank. How do you grow those out? Is it a grow out and a breeding? Okay. How's that? How's that work in your, your room? So I start with in, in a 10 gallon shrimp breeding tank. I always start it with moss because it has a lot of surface area for biofilm, which the babies are going to need. And that's what you're doing is 10 gallon tanks for breeding. I do 10 gallon tanks for everything. My entire everything. operation is right. 10 gallon tanks. Okay. Continue everything. So I start with a 10 gallon tank. I only breed Neocaridina, by the way, I love Caridina. I have them kicking around here, but I'm hyper-focused on quality and, and low, low amount of skews, right? I want to make sure that I'm breeding quality and, and okay. So 10 gallon tank, 20, 20 shrimp to start a colony. Okay. Make sure they're the prettiest shrimp that I can find around the fish room. Start with all one color, make sure they're fed. Well, I do spinach once a week. I do pellet food every day, but I make sure to not overfeed. You overfeed a shrimp, they grow too big in their exoskeleton. All of a sudden you have dead shrimp. You have no idea why, right? So that shrimp are really easy. Set up a tank, sponge filter, okay? Throw in some moss, make sure your water is at least in an acceptable range for the species that you have. Okay, that you want to breed and give it time. Don't overfeed. Make sure they have plenty of available biofilm on the plants. You need plants with shrimp. I'm sorry, there's plenty of people that do shrimp without plants, but you're never going to have the success unless you have some type of hardscape for the babies to retreat to or the pregnant females, you know, and you need plants for those babies to hide in. You know, the adult shrimp don't predate on the young, but they still are fragile and they need a place to just relax and eat for the first couple of days that they're alive. So, so how do facilitating you facilitating those needs? You got 20 shrimp in a colony. You just let them breed on their own. And then how do you harvest from them? I'm assuming that's the same breeding and grow out tank in one. Yeah, right. You don't have separate grow out tanks for shrimp. The only time I pull shrimp out of a tank is either for sale or to restart a new colony. Right. So if, for instance, I just added 36 new shrimp tanks to my my original fish shrimp room. Right. So I took all my best shrimp out of each tank and seeded the new tanks. And I'm not even done with that, but that's what I'm currently in the process of doing. Uh, I'm picking out my best shrimps and I'm putting them in the new tanks. And then I just do exactly what I listed. It's a big old mound of moss and make sure it's clean and, you know, not clean, like you don't clean it, but make sure it doesn't have any crazy pests. And, and also make sure you learn, you know, how to, how to control pests, 
you know, like Hydra and stuff like that. You don't want baby shrimp being eaten by Hydra or planaria. So I'm very selective, especially in the shrimp room, bringing in new stuff. I do not want to bring in shrimp parasite or anything that could affect, you know, a shrimp because they're so much more fragile than fish. So how do you harvest from this? And this is again from the listener. How do you harvest from a shrimp tank? And when you have a uh, going, do you go by number? How many you see? And I can take only so many from them. Sure. Yeah, that's that's actually a whole nother episode, I think. But <laughs> short cliff notes is you never want to pull out too many shrimp from a shrimp colony because you will crash the colony and then you'll be six months to be able to sell from it again. So when my colonies get up to about 150 to 200 shrimp, that's when I feel comfortable enough to sell maybe 50 to 75 of those shrimp. Right. So I'll pull out my my. So what I do to harvest a shrimp is I take a sinking wafer or a pellet, a couple of pellets. I drop them right in front. I always leave my my the front of my shrimp tanks with nothing but sand, um, just inert, regular sand. I use pool filter sand from Home Depot for white and I use imaginarium black sand from Petco for black. Depending on the color of the shrimp, they're easier to see. Drop those pellets in, take a shrimp net and just scoop out ones for sale that look great and the customer will be happy with, put them in a breather bag, send them on their way. All right. What do you do for grow outs for you? I'm trying to remember the different species. You have rams, you have, yeah, I should eat rice fish, rice fish. I'm assuming you do those outside. Can I ask a question about shrimp before we move on to the fish? Do it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So how do you handle coals in, you know, in your shrimp tank when you've got, your breeding stock and you're growing out and you've got, you know, 150, 200 shrimp in a tank. At what point do you make sure you cull before they start to reproduce and you've got a whole line of shrimp that are low quality? All the time. When I'm, when I'm bagging shrimp for sale or I'm doing my daily feedings, I'll go in an hour later. I'll look to see if there's anything I don't like in the, in that gene pool. I'll pull it out and I'll pull it in a cult. I'll put it in one of my cull tanks just another 10 gallon tank with a mix, you know, Skittle tanks, I call them with all different colors of, of calls and crazy stuff. And then once I get those cull tanks full, I list them on the website as a discount every so often. And then I'll just sell those as discounted shrimp from, you know, just mixed bags of shrimp. So I'm always calling those tanks and I'm always keeping my line. I'm always entering my shrimp into the shrimp contest every year at Aquashella. I do it twice a year. I've won first place. Last year, I won breeder of the year. I've won a lot of second places and third places. I've sweeped the show. It's just staying on top of it. You know, wait, see, in my mind, I was thinking with all these calls that your Rams are eating really well. God, you see that hard flex there. You just, <laughs> oh my God. He just, he, he just, I had up there you know, with 15 pounders on his arm there, bud. Uh, dude, I, I hatch a tablespoon of brine a day, every day. I never miss a day unless I'm physically gone on vacation and the Rams eat good. I give them live black worms every so often. They eat tons of high quality pellet flakes and frozen foods. They're, they are, n- they are not missing their shrimp snacks. That's for sure. Now, how are you finding uh, black worms these days? Are they, is it getting any better, any easier for black worms? No, it's not. And it, no, and, and I wouldn't want them daily anyway. I use them as a treat. Sometimes it helps trigger breeding, but you know, if my rams are ever lagging on breeding, pulling the heater off and letting them go to my room temperature, which is about 75, usually does the trick too. So good diet doesn't have to be all live, but definitely incorporate live like baby brine. It's a great food for all of your fish. As long, you know, if it's not a 
you know, six inch gigantor, right? But if you're talking dwarf cichlids and fish, baby brine, that is liquid gold. Well, next uh, listener question before we get too far away from it. What's your favorite aquarium plant that you offer? Boost, baby. I love Busa It is just like Anubius and Fern. And those are probably my close seconds because they can take the higher temperature in my ram tanks. But Boost is what got me into this hobby. It's what kept me in this hobby. If you come and do a tour of my fish room one day, Robs, you will see some of the craziest boosts you'll ever see. I import it direct. I always try and source it from farms in Indonesia, not guys that are just ripping it out of the wild. Uh, I offer it on my site, and that that is my favorite plant species by a mile. Now, is Busi slow growing like like Anubias, or is it yep, exactly like Anubias? So no, it's 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 nice and slow, nice and slow, and it doesn't need a whole lot of light. I mean, Anubias doesn't need a no. Lot of light. Their care requirements are virtually the same. And I just, I put them in my shrimp tanks when I get them, they, they keep them beautiful and clean. I, I take like, I have portions here sitting next to me that, you know, I'll put on driftwood and stuff and put it on my website as little pre-made sections. I literally just have boosts coming out of my ears over here, but yeah, man, they're super easy. That's my, it's my favorite. My, yeah. The other question I had that I wanted to talk, are you, so you said you're running heaters in each individual tank. Oh yeah, man. I listen, I he do this hates in my house. Bill. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not as bad as you would think. And I only have to run heaters in my Ram tanks. And right now that's only 30 or 40 tank. And I run 50 watt heaters. So limit the wattage, make sure you have a tight fitting lid. My ambient temperature is only eight degrees cooler than what I keep my Rams at roughly 82 to 84 but there's no other way I could do it in my home. I can't live in 85 degrees. I love it. I'm, I got Viking blood in me, man. The, uh, the good comments are, are right away are only in quotations. Oh guys, it's only 30, 40 uh-huh. tanks. Don't worry about it. So yeah, do you find any, <laughs> you find any particular heater? Are you buying some of the crazy stuff uh, from overseas? That's cheap. Or are you buying something with a little better quality? The best heater I've ever found. And I'm going to knock on wood right now are high top on Amazon. They're cheap. They're regular thermostat stick glass heaters. I've, I use them in every single one of my tanks, but the kicker is, and the reason why I don't experience failure is every 18 months on the dot, they all get ripped out, thrown in the garbage. And I put brand new ones in. No kidding. I've done that. I never run a heater longer than 18 months. You should be selling those heaters with your with your uh, funky shrimp that you're calling. You know, get like a free heater, get 20, <laughs> 20 retarded shrimp, and there you go. Uh, honestly, you yeah, can actually, send some of those I, shocking I, things my way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I thought about that. But the last thing, going back to what I said earlier about customer experience, the last thing I want to do is sell somebody a two-year-old heater, and then it kills their fish or sticks on or something well, so see, you need to take the disney method to bear you gotta take the disney method disney d- wanted to put out some less family-friendly content so they made touchstone entertainment right so you need like instead of daku aquatics <laughs> where you sell your premiere stuff you need like dumpster fire sales <laughs> there you, you know and then just be uh, like guess what use heater sales all day i'm drunk and confused by hell this yeah so, <laughs> so what are the high top heaters running in the 50 watt are they running about 11 12 bucks or what are you paying for those Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, last round, last round I bought, it was, I think there were 12, but they, they give you a discount if you buy like multiples. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think they, they are like 13 bucks right around there. Now, we've heard story after story on this podcast about people who have, have killed a thousand dollars worth of fish because they spent $3 on a heater and, you know, sure. not had a, ro- a grounding rod for their discus and, and whatnot. And I've killed more fish with bad heaters. To replace, you know, you, you think about the cost of replacing them, you're going, yeah, it's, it's an initial cost, but you think about, you have a whole tank full of adult angelfish and you got 30 in there and you lose them that, you know, you could buy a hell of a lot of heaters for that. I tell you what, Jimmy, I live yes, on the, uh, I live on the you shitty heater market, but I have more titanium grounding probes than I've seen anybody carry. I'm, I, I live and die by it. And here's the fun thing, right? One time, one time. I go over my cat knocks the titanium grounding probe out of the tank. So you shut I up see butt. it happening. And suddenly I see all the fish shake in the tank. <laughs> like, damn it. I knew that 10 year old glass heater that was cracked is fizzing that I bought used at, <laughs> at, at the dumpster fire sales.com for a nickel. Yes. Anthony's not impressed with my idea. None. Yeah. You know, I've actually never run any of those before. I've shot myself a couple times. But uh, I've never experienced any because I change them out so frequently. I, I don't have issues with my heaters. I, I just I can't stand to lose one fish, let alone a tank full when the, I find a tank at 140 degrees or something crazy. And that's why I use 50 watts, too, because it takes so much longer to heat up a tank, even a 10 gallon with a 50 watt heater. You know, you, you'll know before it's a real problem. Now, those particular heaters, do they come with the old suction cups to keep it from banging on the glass? Yep. There so, it is, Jimmy. Yep. I pulled and it they also have a They also have a plastic nub on the bottom. So if the suction cup fails in the tank, it won't crash onto the floor of the aquarium. Not that that would do damage if it's underwater, but, you know, just an extra layer of protection. I thought that was for Jimmy's pleasure. Not big enough. Yeah, the little, Not, cap, little rubber caps for the, Jimmy. Yeah, <laughs> little rubber caps. I yeah. actually actually would have to go with the 500 watt because they're much bigger. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm not waiting around for 50 watts to claim me. Well, Dalton, do you have any follow-up questions? I know you've been kind of antsy. You threw a couple out there for us. Well, I was just wondering how you know, how long it took and what your process was taking this from a hobby to your business. When you started out, did you work nine jobs like Jim or just barely one like Rob? Oh, he is so dead. I love this new guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the best editor ever. Uh, it was, it was two solid years of what am I doing and truly questioning what I was doing before I realized that there was potential to make it a, a, a legitimate career long-term. Uh, and that kind of plays into what I said about the echo chamber on social media. You know, you're trying to sell things on message boards and people don't know who you are and it's not going well. And then all of a sudden you'll have a good week and a bad week. But, you know, two years is was the what am I doing? Why do I have the 50, 60 fix? I must be having a mental break. You know, <laughs> you know, you think about people who've been on around for two years on the Internet. I mean, that's kind of a long time for a lot. I mean, there's a lot of flash in the pans that we see come and go. But once you're around for two, three years, I think people know you're legit and and, uh, that you're committed. Like this podcast. This podcast. We've been stuck here forever. (sighs) Yeah. When are we going to get paid? (laughs) Dalton gets paid. That's who, that's the only person that gets paid in this Uh, podcast. I know. What the hell's going on? He earned it. We didn't. Yeah. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on, brother. We we appreciate it. No problem. Round two 
we got to have the, uh, the Ram deep dive for sure. And if you're listening, yeah, let's do it. And if you're listening, you are a sponsor of the podcast. This is the interview that we've been trying to get for a while. Thank you for being a sponsor. And if you want any of the products that he has been talking about of his quality control, where he even rips out his heaters to get rid of, to make sure he doesn't lose fish, go to Daku aquatics.com D a K U aquatics use promo code aquarium guys to check out for 10% off the store. And I believe 20% off of boost. And it, this and is where yeah, you confirm so that you can't. <laughs> yeah, no, you can that you can't use both coupons at once, but yeah, if you, I don't offer discounts on my fish. And the biggest value with the aquarium guys coupon is if you're buying shrimp, fish, or any of the other plants on my website, it's 10% off site wide, including the boost. But if you want to buy just boost, my 20% off coupon is separate from that aquarium guy code, you know, and, and just to say one thing, you know, when we started talking and you gave me the chance to sponsor your, your podcast here, I wasn't much of anything at that point. So I, I, I don't want the listeners to think that this is some shill interview. I'm on here because I really appreciate both of you guys for stepping in and helping me grow the business early on too. So big shout out to you three and Adam. I, I don't know why Adam didn't come back, but hopefully we get him for the next podcast because I got a lot to talk about and I'd love to talk about it with you two and Adam. Well, again, we've had a lot of people come and go. We've been, uh, we've been doing this for a little while now. And there are a few people that uh, actually get as far as you and get successful as you that did deliver a product. So we're, we're tickled pink to have you on. We've been wanting to do this for a while and uh, congratulations, buddy. Not a lot of people celebrate other people's businesses, but you deserve a full round of applause. I got to see it from the beginning of being a fan. Hey, this is my idea. And I have, I'm not kidding. Thousands of emails of people saying, I want to do this. They never do. And you did, and you did it well, damn well. Good job. I tell you, anybody that needs to order from him, if you think you need two pair, order six. (laughs) I tell you, that's the biggest damn mistake. I mean, a box is a box, right? I mean, you can shove more fish in there if you have to. I I like his measurements. You go on here and you like, you got like, for instance, blue rams. You go on here. He's got a pair or a five pack. I don't see there's a, there's got to be a new skew called the Jim Colby pack of 15. That's what we need. So the other day I ordered some, some angelfish getting back into angelfish. And I talked to this particular person that I bought them from and, and, uh, he, he offers five, six different varieties and, and they're all packed 20 and 30 and stuff. And I said, okay, I'll take them. And he goes, which ones? I said, all of them. The, the, the lot. And he, and he goes, well, that's going to be like $500 plus shipping. I said, is that all? Come on now. We're here to play the game. And I said to him, I said, well, how many do you think you can get in a box? And he goes, probably about $700. I said, do it. I said, because we're sending a box. I've got to go to the airport anyway. And I've never, I've never not gotten my money's worth. For some reason, I'll spend an extra hundred dollars to save $20 on shipping. I'm just freaking weird, but you're like my wife. She'll get the five catch-ups to save a dollar type of thing. Right. Exactly. So but anyway, Anthony, he can throw a whole lot of fish in a box for you and get it uh, safely to you. You said, when did I get mine? Did I get mine in the fall or did I get mine in the spring? Early this spring, I got a couple months ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a couple months. It was ago fairly now. cold out and they came in and they're still all floating around downstairs in my fish room. We were moving some stuff around and around here in Minnesota, we get about, I don't know what, three weeks of good weather. And then we all stand outside and stare at the sun until we go blind. So now, uh, now the fall is here. We're all spending more time in our fish room and moving stuff around. So 
the black Rams are just beating the crap out of each other all day long. Cause they just want to have babies and stuff. And I haven't given them anything. So they, they lay uh, eggs on the glass once in a while. So once I give them, a, okay. I'll have to give them a little pot in there and, and get them going and stuff. But right now uh, my discus and my angels are all kind of taking a lot of attention away from everything else. So, well, Anthony, any other last notes you want to, you want to tell the audience or something you have to ask us? We barely scratched the tip of the iceberg here, gentlemen. So I appreciate the time and thanks for having me on. But uh, yeah, check me out on social media, Daco Aquatics. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I will answer your questions. I will give you as much guidance as I can. I'm here for everybody. I love this hobby. I love the people in it. And uh, rock on, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll have all those social media links right there in the show notes. And you can join our Discord and message them directly there as well. So the Discord is the Aquarium Guys podcast. Bottom of the website, you'll find it there. And like we'd like to tell everybody, it, if it's three in the morning, that's the best time to get hold of him. Three, four o'clock in the morning. No, no, that's Big Rich. Oh, it's Big we Rich. gave out his cell phone that's number right. to the public. That's Remember right. that? He wasn't happy with us. No, we won't do that to you, Anthony. <laughs> on purpose, anyway. Sober. No. We won't do it sober. No, but I will put your number on bathroom walls when I go use the urinal. How about that? <laughs> call call for a good shrimping time. <laughs> call, call for some hot rams. Call for ro- large shrimp. There you go. That's right. All right, guys. Until next time. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. You know what? What? Fluke you. That is the first time Robbie's ever got it freaking right. I deserve a gold star. Today, we are pleasured. I'm drunk and confused. Hell yeah. Or do you have to keep dicking with the ball? I thought that was for Jimmy's pleasure. Not big enough. Yeah, that's just more addiction. You know, that's that's more to rub your nipples on the morning. <laughs> yeah. You better have your shit together.